Chapter 3 entitled The Yoga of Action. We're on topic 2, verses 4 to 19. <coughs> In this topic, Krishna appeals intellectually to Arjuna to act. He explains to him that as a human being, we have no choice but to act because of our vastness. The reason why we are born, because of our vastness. And to get to self-realization, the goal, purpose of human life, is to eradicate those vastness, eradicate those desires. So the chronology to action is vastness manifest as thoughts, Thoughts manifest as desires, desires manifest as actions. No action is possible without vastness. We all have different vastness. That's what makes us all different. Different people. Different thought textures. Vastness turns into a thought, which then turns into a desire, and then to action. We all know that. Any questions? So the problem is that rather than reducing our desires, we are constantly increasing our desires. And it's because lack of understanding, lack of knowledge, this knowledge isn't available to everyone. So they're not aware of this. We have, and to, to develop on the spiritual path, we have to reduce our desires. God plus desires equals man. Therefore, man minus desires equals God. This is who we really are. We are the spirit, the self, Atman, Brahman, but we've forgotten that. And instead, we identify with our physical personality and not that God principle within us. This is the problem. Any questions? So the whole idea of spiritual development is to identify with that God principle in us and become one with that. And in the process, you reduce the identification with your physical personality. I'm not this body, mind, and intellect. I'm the self. That's the God. And this is what all the scriptures helps you to do. In verse 4, covered last week, Krishna explains to Arjuna that a person cannot reduce 
eliminate their desires and reach enlightenment, vasnalessness, by giving up action, meaning by not acting in life. If you do this, you become lazy, you will destroy yourself. In life, you have to act. Action is life. In verse 5, Krishna explained that everyone has no choice but to act because your vasanas force you to act. And these vasanas manifest as three different temperaments, three different qualities, flavors in everyone. What are those three qualities? What are the three qualities? Vanita? Rajas, Tamas, and Satvik. In order of? No. Uh, Which is the highest? Sattva. Sattva, Satvik, yeah. Then? Then it's uh, Rajas and then Tamas. Very good. Satvik is the highest quality. Only from that state you can reach self-realization. Rajasik is frenzied activity. Tamas is the lowest quality, laziness. So the goal is to uplift ourselves through knowledge, through spiritual development to the sattvic stage. From there, you can reach trans-sattva, self-realization. And then verse six we covered last week said, Okay, no, if, it, if vasnalessness, no action, then you can reach that state. So if a person physically restrains themselves from acting, even they entertain the thoughts and have desires, they're indulging at the mental level, Krishna says this person is a hypocrite. Remember we gave example, we said a person gives up all his possessions, Joins an ashram, wears the okra robe, mara around the neck. Shtilak. If he, but if he's still entertaining desires at the mental level, he will not reduce his desires. He's fooling himself. In fact, he will still increase his desires. So, you mentally or physically indulge in sensual pleasures, you will increase your desires. So then how should a person act? That's the question. How should one act? So now Krishna gives out the formula for the correct way of acting in the world, a middle path. Any questions on what we covered? Great. We'll start verse seven. Yast vindriya nimana sa niyam yarabate juna karmendriye karma yogam asakta sa vishishyate yast vindriya nimana sa niyam yarabate juna Karmendriye karma yogam 
Tasavishishyate. But he who restraining the senses by the mind, O Arjuna, engages his organs of action in the yoga of action without attachment, he excels. Sounds uh, complicated. He who restrain the senses by the mind, O Arjuna, engages his organs of action in the yoga of action without attachment, he excels. This is the correct way of acting. So we're going to explain that in detail. This is Karma Yoga. Ravi, could you read the first paragraph, please? Every human being possesses desires until he reaches the state of self-realization. Therefore, one has to annihilate all desires. Man minus desires equals God. The Sastra scriptures address the problem of annihilating desires. If a person indulges physically and mentally in the sensual pleasures of the world, he will only crave for more pleasures and never feel satisfied. If, however, he restrains himself physically but continues to mentally indulge in the sense object, he will suffer from repression and suppression. <clears throat> He will become a hypocrite. In either physical indulgence or suppression, his desires multiply. Now the question arises as to how to deal with the desires within, how to reduce and eliminate them and reach the self. This verse gives a brilliant formula to solve the problem. It provides a middle path between the extremes of indulgence and suppression. Thank you. So, this verse 7 is very important. It explains karma yoga. I mean, this whole um, next three chapters explains karma yoga, but this particular verse begins it. So, when we perform an action, what happens? When we perform an action, what happens? What, do, what are we doing? What are we doing, Vanita? We're fulfilling a desire with, uh, with our sense organs. Yeah. And what is the mind doing? While you're fulfilling that desire? Creating more desires. Creating more desires, yeah. The body performs the action. And the mind also mentally relishes enjoys that experience, isn't it? Stop me if you're not sure about anything I say, yeah? The body acts and the mind also relishes and enjoys that experience. Shilabin, did you hear what I just said? Yes. Oh, you did, yeah? Okay, great. So when you perform an action, what happens? The body performs the action. The mind also mentally relishes, enjoys that experience. You go to a restaurant. You look at the menu. 
You order the food to your taste. You tell the waiter, make it a little more spicy, please. The food arrives. You put the food in the mouth. You like the food. Physically, you're putting the food in your mouth. It tastes good on the tongue. The mind also enjoys that experience. What a wonderful taste. Both the body and the mind are indulging in that experience. Correct? Everyone is doing that. This experience increases your desires for going out to eat in a restaurant. It increases your desires. This was a lovely restaurant. Next time we're gonna try the one further down. Wonder what that one's like. It increases your desires. So what do you do? What must you do? So karma yoga, what you need to do is you must check the desire at the mental level. At the mental level, you set up a higher goal in life, such as being a better human being, self-development, spiritual development, self-realization. While you are eating your food in the restaurant, whilst you're contacting any sense object, your mind is set on a higher ideal. While you're performing any action, the body is acting, but the mind is set on the higher ideal. If you do this, whenever you're acting in life, the mind is not mentally indulging in that central pleasure. You're then no longer increasing your desires from that contact. You've heard the saying, end perception with perception. Don't linger in that perception. If you do, you're increasing your desires. You go, to a, you go to a movie, your eyes are watching the screen. You're enjoying the movie. The mind should be on a higher goal. Self, Brahman, spiritual development. If you perform all action in this way, you are now practicing karma yoga. You're no longer increasing your desires. And if you're not increasing your desires, then you're reducing them while you're acting in the world. Any questions? Does that make sense? We're not going to get go into more detail. But just in the basic level, does that make sense? So what you're saying is that um, any activity, like whether you're going out to a restaurant or seeing a movie, your mind should always be thinking about the self. And a, high, a higher goal. A higher goal. Could be anything. That would be really like that. You're not really in, uh, enjoying that experience and then drawing a line. But whilst you're doing it, you've got to keep thinking about that higher goal. So you're right, exactly right. While you're acting in the world, you're thinking of a higher goal. This is exactly what it says. 
This is karma yoga. Is that actually truly possible? Absolutely. It is possible. Then your focus will be neither here nor there, really. It wouldn't really be. I'm not saying that you should really just indulge to an extent that you, um, I don't know, I feel like you should give your 100% to what you're doing at the time. But we saying here that no, that shouldn't be the case. Actually, you should be performing that action, but your mind should also be focusing on something else. Yeah. So you can start with, look, when you're going anywhere, doing any action, you have to perform that action. So you need your mind, of course. You need your mind and your intellect on that action. But at the back of your mind, your goal in life is to reach that higher state. You can't, otherwise you want to enjoy nothing. Your partner will say, you're boring, man. I'm never taking you out to a movie or a restaurant again. You have to find a balance. If you do that, you won't increase your desire. I'm experiencing this. I'm, I'm, I'm having this experience eating in a restaurant. I'm enjoying the food. But my goal in life is to reach this level. So whatever you're doing in life then, you have one fixed goal to reach that higher state. If you do that, if you act in that way, you're no longer increasing desires in that field. You do anything motivated by desires, you'll create more desires in that field. So your body is acting, but your mind is on a higher goal. And you have a duty to enjoy yourself for your partner's sake, for your family's sake, your work case, any, anything. You have to enjoy yourself as well. It's finding that balance. I'm acting, but my goal is this in life. Remembering that all the time. Shlomo. So to Arunaman's question, uh, we can do anything and everything. Mentally, I think we still, and we should be thankful at that moment, just thank that we're having these moments, but freeing and not attaching and doing it and then moving on to the next stage and for still saying, yes, who I am internally. Yeah. I think then it becomes like you, you are chained, but you're freeing your, your link, your links are slowly breaking. And I think that's, that's how I feel. So Shilabin, you used the one word, attachment. That is what you're breaking, the attachment, by behaving in this way. By acting in this way, you're no longer attaching yourself to that action, to that experience. And if you're not attaching yourself to that experience, you're not going to increase the desire. So he says... But he who restrains the senses by the mind. So you're keeping a control on their senses, Arjuna. But while engaging his organs of action in the yoga of action, without attachment, he excels. So while you're performing your action, the mind is not engaged in that action. No attachment, he excels.
Now, you can get rid of desires in two ways, either through the knowledge that we are studying, but if you don't have enough knowledge, then you have to perform the action. Two ways. Example, you have enough knowledge to understand that you shouldn't do drugs. I hope so, everyone here in this class. You have enough knowledge to understand you shouldn't steal. You have enough knowledge to understand you shouldn't hurt another person. So you have no desires to do this, correct? But things like food, exercise, alcohol, these things are more difficult to get rid of. We all have our vices, whatever it is, that we find difficult, even though we act on it, we don't want to do it. Indulgence, we find it more difficult. So these things you have to act on. So while you're acting on those things, your mind is on a higher ideal, your thoughts are elsewhere, you're not feeding that desire. Slowly, slowly, that desire will be eliminated. And when you practice this, this is karma yoga. See, none of us are perfect. We all have vices, indulgences. This is karma yoga. This is we're going to cover this now. Study this in this in the next couple of chapters. Does that make sense? I don't know. I mean, just the concept of it. Yeah, just the concept of it. So, so how does desires work in relation to, I suppose, um, studying and living with this knowledge? Because if I am now learning this knowledge and I have a desire to, I suppose, develop more spiritually or develop more in it, that's a real strong desire. And if my, well, in the process of me studying, my mind can overindulge and think I want more, and why is it that I'm not achieving that and be frustrated with it? But in that essence, I am, in, I am increasing that vasana so much now that's you can argue that that's not a bad desire but it's still a desire right it's still mm -hmm. going to keep me in the world because this knowledge is in the world right absolutely does anyone understand that question she's saying about her desires for this knowledge self-development what about that desire even though it's a good desire how do i that still keeps me in the world how does that work anybody have an answer to that it's a good question so the desire is a higher desire. It's a, a positive desire, which is eliminating the, the vastness that are creating more. This desire will not create, it'll create, it creates a higher ideal. So it's a good desire, would I say. And in that way, you are always looking above the sense object desires and that mm. when it takes that place that means that you're, you're eradicating all the little things underneath and it has to have everything has to have a place right mm. so if you're eradicating the lower desires then 
a higher desire will take that place, but that higher desire will give you more understanding to work towards yeah. something. Very that good. Very good. You're absolutely right. Dermish? Uh, yes, all desires are bad, mm -hmm. but you, you need the knowledge to strengthen your intellect. Mm -hmm. Like anything, you need to learn the ABCs, learn to read, to understand things. So yes, you will be gaining more desires, but you're gaining them in the right way. Mm -hmm. to, you, you, you gain more desires to defeat the desires at the end. But you can also desires. Yes. Okay. Very good. Who else? Who, who else had the hand? Chirabin. I think, and it's all. It's also the purpose. When you have a desire, what's the purpose? Yeah. And questioning uh, who I am after this desire is fulfilled. So I, when always it's the question of purpose come in and who I am. Slowly, slowly. Yeah. you know where you are, your journey and destination becomes. Clear. Good, very good. Anybody else? So you have desires, you can put them in categories. Yeah. Gross desires, worldly desires. Desires to fulfill your sense contacts. Then there's a desire, Sittal is saying, about spiritual development by studying. Yeah. What is the purpose of studying scriptures? What is the purpose of studying? To develop, yeah. to develop on my, my satvic nature. Your satvic nature. Why? Because that's the only temperament that's going to help me to reach my goal of self-realization, to reduce my tamas and rajas. So therefore, the desires for spiritual knowledge, for spiritual development, that is the only desire that's going to take you away out of the world. So that desire for spiritual development, for studying spiritual knowledge, has a different higher value. That desire is the only desire that allows you to get out of the world. And the greater that desire, the more desire you have for that, the quicker you're going to be able to get to that sapphic nature. And as Dharma said, by doing that, you're studying, that studying, you're developing your intellect. Your intellect then allows you to, while acting in the world, decipher what you want to fulfill, what you don't. Is it going to take me to this goal? And it allows you to eliminate those desires that are not going to be able to take you to that sattvic nature, the gross desires. So you need that knowledge to do that. Sure, it's still a desire, but it's the only desire that will take you away from all the rest of the desires, the grosser desires. So it's a different, different category, you can say. Does that make sense to everyone? There are good desires, there's bad desires. You have to decide what's, which one's which. Depends on your level of knowledge and understanding and intellect. And it's different for different people. But the ultimate desire should be, I want to reach that goal. 
Is that okay? Cool. the attachment to that desire it's still an attachment right in a sense because every desire you you can you know so for example you know like Gernabin said is it really possible because the idea is is that if you are thinking of the self and that one time that you're not thinking of the self and you do indulge okay um you can you can really kind of I suppose reprimand yourself and feel down about it because that attachment that you have to wanting to become something that may not be possible right now can be kind of really upsetting in a sense the mind can be so upset from that because it's got such a strong attachment to wanting to be satisfied but when you're not so then the problem is here is that you're setting unrealistic goals. You have a desire for indulgence and you've done, and you've gone and indulged in something and then you're saying um, it upsets you because why did I indulge? You don't have a desire to indulge. Whatever it is. You can't, see, you all, we all live in this world. We all have to do certain duties, which is the next verse we're going to cover. Okay. We all have certain duties to do. If that is your only desire is to study and reach that goal, I admire that, but it's not practical, is it? You'll have a job, you'll look after me, yeah? <laughs> All these attachments you have, you're not at that level where you've detached from that. Otherwise, if you did, you wouldn't be here. You'd be in the Himalayas, in an ashram, trying to reach that goal. So you have to be practical. But slowly, slowly increase that while in the capacity you can. Is that okay, everyone? Good question. So certain areas we have to act. Certain areas we can eliminate the desire for knowledge. So while acting, your mind is on a higher ideal, a higher goal. You're not feeding that desire, increasing that desire. This is karma yoga. I'll give you an example. It's like, Onaben, you're saying that it's difficult to do. I totally understand. I'll give you an analogy. It's like you're driving up the M1. You get to junction five. There's an accident further down. There's a detour. You have to go one of the A roads or B roads. And then while you're on that A and B road, it rejoins the motorway at junction six. Yeah, you're all good with that analogy? Get off the exit at junction five, go on the B road and rejoin the motorway. While you're on the B road, where is your mind? Sorry, Arunabin, where is your mind? On the other road, isn't it? On the motorway, Thinking. isn't it? Yes. This is karma yoga. While you're acting, your mind is on a higher ideal. By acting in this way, you reduce your desires gradually, get out of this life, gain moksha.
We're all born in this world to get out of this world, not to stay in the world. When you perform karma yoga, you're now developing on the spiritual path. It's not easy to do. It takes a lot of practice. But this is the path of karma yoga. And you have to, you can do this in all areas of your life, work life, home life. Always have the mind on your spiritual development. That analogy Swamiji gave, by the way. This is karma yoga. Now, karma yoga is made for a man of action. Any questions on that? It's a lot to take in, but whatever you've taken in, that's fine, because we're going to expand on all this. So think about it. And don't worry too much about it. Ravi. Most people merely indulge in sensual pleasures. The body partakes of the physical pleasures while the mind indulges in those enjoyments. Instead, the verse advises you to check such indulgence at the mental level, whether or not the body actually experiences the sense objects. Mental indulgence, not mere physical experience, produces desires. Therefore, in all sense contacts and actions, you should direct your mind towards your spiritual evolution and not fall a prey to mental indulgence. You can achieve this mental restraint by fixing a higher ideal in life, an ideal to develop yourself all the way to self-realization. Keep the mind aloft on a higher plane while the sense organs contact the sense objects. Do not allow your mind to be attached to sensual pleasures even as you partake of them. Thus, you dedicate your mind to a spiritual goal while your organs of action make contact with the world. This practice is termed karma yoga. He who practices this formula excels in the world. So, now, one, one, one word of warning here. This doesn't mean that you don't do your duty. This doesn't mean that you don't cater to your family, your friends. Yeah. Just because you understand this doesn't mean you become a recluse. It's having a balance. You have a duty to your family, your friends, your community. You know what? I'm not doing any of this now anymore. I've learned that, you know, I have to think of the higher. No, you'll be suppressing your desires. You go and participate in everything, but you, mind, stays on the higher. It's a balance that you will find and work out yourself. It will be different for everyone. Even if that one thought comes in your mind while you're acting in that area, it's, it's starting is sufficient. Okay, I need to go to the restaurant. I need to go out to the movies. I need to go out with my kids, my family. This is my obligatory duty. I must perform this. I shouldn't forget my goal is on 
getting out of this world, reaching that state of desirelessness. Then you're not increasing your desires. You're not attached to that. The family may be, but you're not. You're, this is called objectivity. Uh, I don't want no, no, no one complaining to me. Since he's been going to your class, doesn't do anything, become boring. <laughs> You'll find your own path. Yeah, I don't know. I think that's the difference, isn't it? Uh, carrying out obligatory duties are easier. Uh, but if it's something that you really enjoy, then you're going to ask questions. Like, for example, um, say someone might like reading a lot. So that's not really, so I'm talking about other reading, not just spiritual books. That's in a way also indulging and uh, taking you away from that other path, or maybe something that's come on like a TV series that you're really interested in. And you enjoy that. And so it's hard at that time to always think about the spiritual path on, on that side. Although mentally you could be saying to yourself every maybe uh, one minute or so, oh, that's my higher goal, that's my higher goal while you're doing this. I feel like you're not really being true to yourself. You know, it's like almost that hypocrisy thing that we were talking about last week. So the hypocrisy comes because you're not established in that thought yet. That's why your mind is thinking it's hypocrisy. I'm enjoying this, but I need to be thinking of this. How can I enjoy this? So that hypocrisy comes because you're not fixed in that goal yet. See, if you've set your goal... I want to get out of this world. I need to reduce my desires and moksha, state of self-development, is my goal in life. If you've established that, then while you're acting, why would you feel hypocritical? I have vastness for this. I have to act. I want to watch this serial. You watch your serial. But when the serial finishes, don't keep thinking, where will the next, next serial come? Yeah? Ending perception with perception. You have a vast not to watch it, watch it. Life will be boring otherwise. Are you with me? You want to read your book? Read your book. Not a problem. But it's that mental lingering. When will the next series come out? When will this person author write the next book? I love this book. I can't wait for their next book. You're increasing your desires. You read your book. It's finished. That's it. You've enjoyed it. Finished. Yeah, Shalom. I think it's not attaching guilt to the thing. And for me, it's always remembering the, the two that we've covered already. It's uh, I am Atman Brahma, that this, I am not this uh, body, mind, and intellect. And secondly is Aham Brahma Asmi. I, and Brahma just experiencing through your body and then fixing that, that whatever action you perform, I am Brahma just experiencing this and you move on. Absolutely. That, as you get fixed on that, yes, although that's an attachment or a next desire, but we're still eradicating the others and moving to a better desire. Absolutely. It's the hierarchy of a desire. If your ultimate desire goal is to reach that state, all other desires are gross. You have to act on them because I have a vasana for it. I can't frustrate those vasanas. So you have to act on it. 
Otherwise, you're a hypocrite. But don't indulge in it. Don't mentally indulge in it. It's a fine line. Like I said, this is only the first verse that's exploring it. So, you know, it's good to have these questions. But be true to yourself. We all have certain indulgences, certain traits. This is us. <coughs> we have to acknowledge that. This is me. I'm thin, I'm fat. I'm short, I'm tall. This is you, you can't change that. You have to accept, these are my traits, these are my vastness. But I now have a tool to eliminate them. I will work on them. This is the attitude. Is that okay? So more you become established in that higher goal, the easier it becomes. As Shilabin said, the more you remember your Brahman, not this body-mind intellect, the more you will be affected by those things. Niyatam Kuru Karma Dvam Karma Yayoha Karmanaha Sari Raya Trapi Chate Na Prashid Yeta Karmanaha Niyatam Kuru Karma Dvam Karma ya yo ya karma naha Shari raya trapi chate Na prashit yekta karma naha Perform your obligatory action for action is superior to inaction. And even the maintenance of your body would not be possible by inaction. So what is this verse saying? It's, it's substantiating action. In life, we have to act. We have to perform action. If we don't, we physically decay. What was that uh, I, I heard on the radio or read somewhere? If a person sits for 10 hours a day, he reduces his life expectancy by something like 20 years. Inaction means death. Person who sits for 10 hours a day, his lifespan gets reduced. I can't remember the figure. It was 10, 15, 20 years, whatever. So inaction means death. So we have to act. Action is far superior to non-action. Even to maintain our body, we have to do exercise. If you don't maintain your body, what can you, you can't do nothing. In nature, you see a stagnant pool. It's dirty, smelly, dark. You can't even see anything. A small stream is clear, clean, no smell, white, stagnant, moving. So if you want to be happy, successful in life, be the running brook, the stream, not the stagnant pool. So even to enjoy sensual pleasures, you need to be fit. 
You want to go walking, go, go to the lakes. You need to walk. If you can't walk, how are you going to enjoy yourself? You need to be fit in life to be able to do anything. So, you have to continue to act. In life, we have two, we have to perform our obligatory duty, which is a must. What is our obligatory duty? Our routine work, a routine duty, working, looking after family, helping our community, neighborhood. These are our routine duties. Every day we do, we do these things. These duties are based on our service to our family and society. These are our duties. You have, um, if you're a mother, you have to look, get the children ready in the morning, drop them to school, cook for them. Do all, these are your everyday duties. The opposite of this is acting based on your likes and dislikes. You know what? I don't want to do this. I don't like to do this. I like to do this. I want to wake up late. I like that. Then there is our special duty. Special duty which comes once in a while. There's a birthday party you have to attend. We had to attend my aunt's 70th last night. Special duty. You have to attend a marriage something that is not part of your regular routine. So these are the two types of obligatory duties, routine duties that we have in our life. We must all perform these. This is, this is our action. If you're not sure which is which, if you're unclear, you listen to your inner conscience. What is my duty? So Krishna advises Arjuna, do your duty and fight. This is his special duty. To progress spiritually even, you have to be physically fit. Otherwise, how are you going to sit and meditate? So Krishna says to fulfill our goal in life, we need to keep acting. <coughs> perform your obligatory action for action is superior to inaction even the maintenance of your body would not be possible by inaction any questions on that this is what this verse says so the law of life proclaims that none can remain inactive and can continue to live. If you choose to remain idle, you putrefy, you destroy yourself. Nature draws your attention to this law. Compare a stagnant pool to a running brook. Where water stagnates, it becomes filthy, dirty. It smells foul. Whereas running water remains pure, clear and refreshing. Learn this lesson from nature. If you want success in life, prosperity and peace, adopt the principle of running waters. 
Like the book, <coughs> keep working your way towards the ultimate goal of self-realization. Work, work and work. A river keeps on moving, overcoming all obstacles, ever progressing until it reaches the ocean. Similarly, pursue this principle of ceaseless work up to the abode of truth. This is the gospel of karma action. It proclaims the importance of action. The Gita inveighs man against his tendency to remain idle and escape from his obligatory functions in life. Action is superior to inaction. Inaction impairs even the maintenance of your body. Let any part of your body remain inactive for a period of time and it loses its strength and vitality. You must perform daily physical exercises just to maintain your body. The significance of this statement in the verse does not reach the average person. He detests the thought of physical exertion. He indulges instead in whatever pleases his body. Little does he consider that even sensual enjoyment depends on his physical well-being. Therefore, in no way can he afford to neglect action. Neglect proves detrimental to both the material and the spiritual progress of one's life. Essential to beneficial action is your ability to adapt to it, adapt to adapt it to obligation. The basis of Hindu Dharma tradition is performance of duty, that is, serving society. Modern society revolves around people claiming rights and taking from society. Any individual, society or nation that functions on rights rather than duties will deteriorate and perish. Taking deteriorates and serving nourishes. Krishna advises Arjuna to perform niyatam karma, obligatory action. Niyatam karma consists of nitya and nimitika karmas. Nitya karma means regular routine duty. Nimitika karma, occasional special duty. Everyone must perform these two types of obligatory duty. Occasionally, one may not be clear as to whether a particular action falls under any obligatory duty. In such a case, one must obey one's inner conscious. The conscious within acts as the final determinant to right action. So this is choosing the kind of action we perform in life. Did everyone hear settle, by the way, yeah? Great. We all have to act, we all have to perform duties. What duties we perform is based on our obligations to our family, to our society, to our community, to our world. Giving is higher than taking, we all know that. Serving is higher than demanding. So this is the kind of 
thoughts you need while you're acting. How can I be of service? How can I help? How can I give? Rather than what is mine? What can I get from this? If you have rights, then that society, and you, you act on your rights, that society will ultimately perish. So it's just giving an idea of what different types of action we need to perform, how to perform it. Any questions? So this is the beginning of, this chapter is the beginning of Karma Yoga. We've got chapter four, five, and six. Three more chapters to discuss this. So don't worry too much about how am I going to do this. Krishna will guide us and explain to us. So it's 11, nearly 11.30. The next verse is quite long. Explain what yajna, sacrifice. If you've got the mental capacity, we can do it now. It's about 10 minutes it will take. But we'll leave it fresh for next week because it's better to take nine and ten together. They both go together. So is there anything that anybody has a topic or a question they want to ask, we can discuss a bit more. Also, next week is a long bank holiday weekend. Um, I think we won't be having a class that Sunday, so everyone is free to enjoy celebrations for Queen Elizabeth. Is it, is it because she's 70 years, is it? No, in rain, 70 years in rain, I think it is, yeah. We've got our own community here, local community celebrating. So we'll, we'll in, yeah, this is our special duty to celebrate the Queen's 70th in rain. It doesn't come often, so it's a special duty. So we should go and celebrate what she has done. Not many, too many cream cakes. Remember, the thought must be on the higher goal while indulging or not indulging. Any questions before we finish today? So we won't have class next week. So think about it. Have the book, read it. You don't need to go beyond it. Just understand that verse, what it says, and that's it. Take it as it comes, bit by bit. Okay, if there's no more questions, we will resume in two weeks.